0: Listen in to find out how creating and utilising your pharmacy's customer database is the key to placing your patients at the centre of your business decisions.
1: Welcome to the Transformation Show, where successful pharmacy owners and technology partners help you to build a better 21st century pharmacy by embracing technology. Here is your host, Robert Starr.
0: G'day everyone and welcome back to Transformation, the only dedicated podcast in the world where pharmacy and technology collide to bring you, the motivated pharmacy owner, all the tools, all that you need to build a smarter, more successful 21st century business before it's too late. My name's Robert Starr, your host and guide on this fantastic journey of ours. And I'd like to announce that we are now in episode 30. I cannot believe it. We've crossed the threshold 30 weeks in a row since earlier this year. I had the great pleasure of catching up with a great mentor of mine and the inspiration behind me starting my podcast journey, Tim Reid at the Small Business Big Marketing Show. And if I can encourage you to listen to one more podcast other than Transformation each week, it would be his. It's sensational. It's called the Small Business Big Marketing Show. I had the pleasure of catching up with Tim yesterday and the Small Business Big Marketing crew as well. It was fantastic, and uh, certainly it's been a long, great journey, but I've loved every single minute of it, and I hope you as our, as my listeners are getting a lot of value out of it as well. I'm always keen to know what's working, what isn't, so please drop me a line as a lot of you have along the journey to let me know what you'd love to hear about and what areas of the business that you would like to know more about what technology can help you build your smarter, more successful 21st century business. So this week we also had World Pharmacist Day as well and I think that's just a a great segue as well because the Transformation Show is now in 83 countries. Uh, I'm absolutely astonished with that as we mentioned earlier, including Kazakhstan. So we may have Borat listening to us, perhaps. Um, But uh, sorry about that for our Kazakhstan listener, but uh, a little bit of humour sometimes goes a long way. Um, But certainly it was a great, obviously, day for everyone in the Australian pharmacy community and internationally as well to really recognise the massive role that we play as the most accessible primary healthcare practitioners in the world, and also the, probably the first point of call whenever a patient has something wrong, it always comes to us, and we're in a great position to be able to coordinate and triage our patient's best practice care um, in almost any environment. So. Fantastic, and there was a uh, special transformation cover that uh, got generated that I'll pop up on this week's episode as well. But we're also, uh, I might add, that uh, anyone who's listening to the show today for the first time, that if you wanted to put aside 24 hours of your time, you could catch up on all of Transformation. This episode will get us over 24 hours, so we could almost put all of our episodes on loop and we'd have our own radio station. It's probably not a bad idea. I'll I'll have a look into it as well. But having said all of that, 24 hours is a long time, but what if we could do it in 12? And I've discovered an app that I'm using for to listen to other podcasts, uh, other than my own, of course, um, which is Swift Player, which is available from the App Store if you've got an iPhone, uh, but I believe it's also available from Android as well, and I'll pop a link in the show notes as well of how you do that, but you can listen to it, or you can listen to me at two times the normal speed. And believe it or not, your brain can process that pretty well, as I've found by listening to other podcasts and audio books and so forth. So that's a really good productivity driver. If you think you don't have 50 minutes, you might have 25 and that may be all that you need so I'll pop that in the show notes but also and I know that I know that not all of us listen to these as I put them out uh, but this week is also grand final week in in Australia for Australian rules football which is a great passion of mine and I just wanted to share a little bit of a story with you um, that came about last weekend uh, via Twitter because I'm always keen to let you guys know of what the great advantages of Twitter are other than just to annoy people with plates of food and and angry cats and cat videos and all of that type of stuff that gives us a really bad name. But as you do during uh, during the finals time with Australian rules football, uh, you quite often get onto Twitter and see what other people are saying, what the uh, media are talking about, and that's something that I do, and it just helps to enrich my experience at the game or even watching at home. I even had the uh, great pleasure of watching my uh, old football club that I used to play for, Collegians, uh, via a live online broadcast, which is quite remarkable considering uh, that it's always been challenging with a young family to get to some of the weekend events and to watch their grand final. Unfortunately, they didn't win, however. Um, online, it was fantastic. But I, I digress. And um, the story was that um, Anthony Tussani and I, as as you probably all know, the Victorian president of the Farm Pharmacy Guild of Australia also a great passionate football supporter as well. Uh, We were just reflecting on what we look forward to in Grand Final Week and uh, we threw up the prospect of having uh, the first uh, pharmacy AFL Grand Final Eve lunch and uh, believe it or not, by tagging in some of the, uh, also the the key football supporters in our pharmacy community and there are a number, um, such as uh, Medici Capital and Fred Health who um, put together uh, a concept called Farm E Footy back in 1990 and uh, and also Stuart Giles from now Epic Pharmacy as well a great football supporter as well we're looking to put together an event next year so that could have all been born off a uh, discussion and a suggestion of mine on Twitter last weekend and uh, we'll see how we go with that but uh, just the power of it you can collaborate so well and um Again, if we can if we can pull out a great event out of that, and that may then explode into rugby as suggested by Nick Logan as well uh, for the World Cup next year. And it would just be obviously a great opportunity to bring, I think, sport, uh, football, and uh, and um, technology and pharmacy all together. I think that would be a great junction for me to sit at and uh, certainly one I'd love to be in. But anyway, I just wanted to share that with you. Um, I also wanted to talk about that um, it's been great to get some nice reviews from people on on transformation the book and just a reminder that um for those of you who would like to do that, and I'd really appreciate it if you can, it's fantastic for you know people who are interested in pharmacy and technology to see some great reviews on Amazon or iBooks, depending on what platform you've bought it from. Um, and also perhaps on my site, I can bring them across to Amazon. But as a special bonus, if you do that, I'd love to send you an extra copy of the eBook, uh, which you may need yourself, but you could also pass that on to someone else who may benefit of. And also give you unlimited access to the full audio of Pharmacy Freedom, which included my keynote and also George Tambasis' industry update. Uh, just also a reminder, great great feedback following from PBN about the team communication. Uh, you can book a free discovery session uh, for 30 minutes and I'll have a chat to you about obviously how, how you're going to be able to craft your podcast for your team, what equipment you have and really set you on your path of really com- offering your team, particularly in this day and age, a more flexible communication mechanism to bolt on to your existing team meetings and newsletters and things like that and really get some great engagement from your team so that you can kick some real goals. I think I'll stop with the football references pretty soon Um, but it's just grand final work I love it. Um, But head across to robertstar.com forward slash appointments and you can book a free 30 minute discovery session and I'd love to be able to help you on your journey as well. Um, I did also want to mention um, that I, um, as I did in last week's show that I am doing a presentation um, on cloud uh, computing for community pharmacy uh, which is in conjunction with the Bayside Medicare Local in Melbourne. So if you're in Melbourne, I'd love to see you. And um, it's free. And I'll put the booking details in the show notes as well um, so that you can come along to that. It's going to be have some light refreshments provided by the Bayside Medicare Local. And they're also going to be presenting... Um, the findings from a study that was done by a company called InfoExchange on the utilization of technology in community pharmacy. I really look forward to that. I'll be on a Q and A panel at the end of it. And uh, yeah, I'll look forward to sharing that with you. And I'll be getting a video copy as well. So if you are overseas and you're thinking, Rob, you're doing another event in Melbourne. How about something that we can get hold of? As I mentioned with PBN, I will get a copy of the video and I'll be putting that in transformation uh, forum for you to have a look at. So. Just before we get into our interview today, and it's a brilliant one with Adam Posner from the CEO of Directivity, and um, I wanted to mention that unfortunately we have had some further trouble with the uh, transformation community, uh, transformation.com.au, but I am assured that we're looking at Monday again. So my deepest apologies. It's not a great look, obviously, from a technology-based program to have some glitches, but It's about making sure that the experience is perfect for you as well. I didn't want to put something that was half-baked out for you and something that you might struggle with. And I think you'll find when you do get in there, it's gonna have so many resources, it's got a great discussion group that you can pose any question to me as I've mentioned, I'll be there every day answering your question and it'll be the only place that you can get direct access to me uh, from a QA and a perspective and I look forward to helping you on your journey and also getting you through your journey of the Transformation Workbook which will really help you map out your next 12 months around how you can build that smarter, more successful business and how you can do that inside of 12 months as well. Our interview today is with Adam Posner. He's the CEO and founder of Directivity, which was established in 2007, providing loyalty and customer retention strategies for organizations in leisure and entertainment, accommodation and retail, including pharmacy. He's been a data-driven direct marketer for 23 years, and he's obsessed about helping clients build and maintain valuable loyalty programs that are profitable to the business and meaningful to the member in essence, marketing that makes price irrelevant. Adam Posner, welcome to The Transformation Show. Hi, Robert. Uh, Great to have you on, Adam, and I think our listeners are gonna be in for a a big treat today in terms of really understanding, I guess, some of the big possibilities in their business. They're always drowning in data and reports and so forth, and hopefully by the end of today, they'll know what they can do with it and how it can get them more customers.
1: Yes, indeed, I'm ready for for the (laughs) chat.
0: Uh, very good, um, Adam. I always like to start start with a little story, um, because like obviously you've been a data driven marketer for over twenty one years, and and I'd love to know how you got started, and also you know why why you see that it's you know so important to not only pharmacy but also retail and business in the twenty first century.
1: Yeah, look, you know, my story started uh, after I immigrated from South Africa to uh, Australia some twenty six years ago, and. I got into data-driven marketing in the early 90s. In fact, it wasn't so much data-driven, it was when I started walking the streets and knocking on retailers' doors, I came up with this little concept called uh, scratch and save, which was like in the old days, the analog version of um, a little scratch card with a whole range of discounts and and, and stuff um, that then the retailers would would participate in in the local strip the shopping strips or shopping centres, and I would go off and distribute five or ten thousand of these little hidden discounts um, into the into the mailboxes of, of homes, and the people would be then rushing into the stores to scratch off their little s- section and and then reveal a saving, and so it was the beginning of what I would call. Um, you know, direct marketing or data marketing, except no data was really being captured. And I suddenly woke up one day and realized, chatting to the retailers, and I said, oh, gee, you've got all this new business coming in. What are you doing about knowing who these these people are? And they said, well, not sure. And I said, why don't you get them to fill in a little form and then, you know, you can either send them, a, in those days, a little postcard or some something else. Um, and they said, wow, what a great idea. And that was the beginning of my, of my story into uh, data-driven marketing, and, 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 and the years went by, and technology has obviously hmm. changed dramatically since those days. Um, but that's where I got into the, the hearts and minds of retailers, into the hearts and minds of customers, and just driving them back into stores. And, and that's when my love for loyalty started to develop.
0: Yeah, no, it looked fantastic, and look, certainly that was uh, very innovative back then, and um, you know, right now we've got so much data, we have probably more data rich, but we're knowledge poor, so I think the uh, technology, and that's obviously what we talk about a lot on our show here, yeah. um, is, is really about trying to actually translate that into something that our pharmacy owners can be using to not only serve their patients better, but also you know, make their, more, their business more well known.
1: Correct, yes, absolutely.
0: So I guess a lot of our listeners are going to be at different ends. Um, We're going to have some listeners who have been attached to banner groups who have got some off the shelf uh, loyalty systems that are ingrained in their businesses. And, you know, some of those loyalty systems, they don't have a lot to do with. It's more to do with the banner group head office. But I guess... um, I guess just to start our journey for our pharmacy owners on, on, on the line here, what should they be looking at? Like, obviously, there's general information you can be capturing. I know that email address is so valuable to be capturing so that you can communicate with them. But, you know, where would you, where would you foresee their starting point to be?
1: You know, that's a great question because that is one that I get perhaps the most as to, you know, what data should I capture? Never mind the technology, be, you know, because that will facilitate it. But, you know, what I would call is going from cool to creepy. In other words, you know, really starting with the very basics, you know, you know, first name, surname, obviously, who are they, and and then going into um, a little bit about their profile, if possible. So, if you want to know their demographic or their age group, then certainly ask their date of birth, but be very, very careful there because. You know, it is a little bit of a sensitive area and all our research, which I've done a lot of in in the loyalty space and in in data, says that if you're going to ask for any sort of information or data, you need to have a value exchange. You need to give them a very good reason as to why you're asking for it. Mm. So if you are asking for a date of birth, then say maybe that you want to send them a birthday surprise or a birthday offer. Then they'll give you that data. The other part is you certainly need a, a you know um, a channel to communicate with them. And yes, email is the most cost effective. It is also the most used and the most deleted. So you've got to be sort of smart about what are the best options to reach them one-to-one. Yes, you've got the phone. Yes, you've got email. And you, then you've got the other platforms which start to be, although not so personalized. Yes, you've got social. But fundamentally, the real personal... Uh, connecting uh, pieces of data are, you know, phone, email, and mail address. Those are the ways you reach one-to-one, um, you know, across, across the spectrum of your customers.
0: Mm, Absolutely and I guess also in our pharmacies we're quite familiar with now and I think most pharmacies are across SMS marketing as well and more so around prescription reminders but we probably don't do it for um, a retail purpose as well Um, and I guess the the pharmacies are at different levels of the technology certainly if you're as part of a banner group uh, those uh, electronic um, direct mail um, examples are probably being sent by the head office and they're probably not too c- connected to what information is being sent to their customers. So I guess, where do you see the balance there? Is, is this something that pharmacy owners should be involved in? I've always been a big believer that they should be involved in the content um, writing and they should be involved in crafting that message that should be going out to their customers so that they're truly connecting their vision with what their customers see and hear. Um, but I guess where, where is the right balance there? Is it something that they should be taking more um, involvement themselves or perhaps um, finding a third party to help them?
1: Well, I think it comes back to there's one critical element that I think pharmacists face this day, and that's time. Yeah. And that, you know, why, are they, why do they exist? Why, do, why are they there every day? In, in my belief, that's they want more time for face-to-face patient care. I mean, that's why they're there. But they've also got a business to run. So they've got to be smarter in, in leveraging systems and technology and/or support people to drive the, you know, to help the, the flow of their business. So instead of them sitting down every night and saying, Oh, so which customers should I be communicating with now and pulling down a spreadsheet and everything like that? To me, if they've got you know the system and/or support to very simply say, Look, I'd like to send an offer to all mums who've got kids. Uh, because there's a latest range of kids multivitamins available. Well, the system should allow them to do that almost seamlessly. I mean, it, you can't do it in your sleep, certainly, but you've certainly got to be able to have the opportunity to say, or oh, give me all customers who, um, who have purchased you know, kids multivitamins, let me send them an offer, um, and, and, and that should, should be done within five, ten minutes based on a good, solid uh, loyalty system that has captured the data um, and that gives you the mechanism to pull that, that down and then craft an email. I mean, if they want to write the content and, and do a little offer, sure, they can do that. Mm-hmm. But that, that's my answer to your question, is the system should give them um, the time to, to do that simply.
0: And I I guess that's sometimes the problem as well, that um, a lot of our data in our our pharmacies do sit in uh, little silos um, and they don't always talk to each other. And, you know, some of the most basic loyalty systems that have been implemented in independent pharmacy um, haven't always given that functionality to to the pharmacist. And realistically, all it's done is collected points. Um, and given customers, you know, $5 out of every 100 points or whatever is a discount, but probably not given the functionality that you're just mentioning there. So I guess the, the more modern ones that are available for independent pharmacies, for example, um, are they able to do that now?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, uh, right up front, I've, I've been working with a, um, a very, you know, tailored uh, retail pharmacy loyalty system called Know-It-All, Yep. And they've got a really simple bolt on software that goes onto point of sale that literally does as soon as a member joins up and they are sure they are presenting their card or telling their the front you know the staff you know um, who they are and they connect their purchases to the individual know it all system does all what I said really really simply it's just amazing these days and I've worked you know in loyalty and seen loyalty systems of, of many kinds and, and variations that everybody thinks it's, it's you no know, this is big infrastructure and it's really complicated well it's actually not it really is not it, it's ju- it's just software that connects to point of sale and from there on it's really up to the, the business or the pharmacist and their staff to connect with their customer And what I mean by that yes you do need a program you do need a mechanism um, whether it's a card or even a, an identifier to say you know hi Adam, um, you know join our program and these are all the benefits that you'll get and you do need to ask your member each time you know what's give us your card scan it here or whatever the process is because you have to capture that transaction mm. against an individual but the system side of things these days is far less complicated than perhaps it was you know five or ten ten years ago.
0: Yeah, because I think it always has come back to the, uh, I guess, the sophistication of the point of sale systems. And I know that our um, pharmacy vendors in that space will be the first to admit that, um, you know, they probably haven't developed as much as uh, perhaps some of the other retail systems in other industries in the last five or 10 years. Um, so how how have they overcome that challenge? Is it just simply by building a better integration between them? Um, um.
1: Yeah, look, I, th- I think when we, if we get too technical, mm. you know, know-it-all would be able to explain all the, the variations across all the different point of sales. But every time that I've been with them um, you know, at a pharmacy group, whether it's you know a chain of six stores or, or 60 stores in South Australia that we, you know, we're working with or, or even an in independent, um, it, it's a very simple API that just links into the point of sale. Yes, there might need to be a little bit of tailoring and not mm. a lot. That I've seen, um, but these days it's, it's just a simple bolt onto the current point of sale, and then you, you set up the infrastructure around, you know, the points allocation. If there's a points allocation, um, the various fields of data you want to collect. So there is a little bit of tailoring, but mm. not not a not months and years of. Of huge infrastructure and uh, and software development.
0: Yeah, and I think and I think our listeners are really going to be thinking about well, look, that's getting a bit far beyond where my role probably sits. They just really want to know that the systems are going to talk and that they're not going to, you know, obviously, uh, you know, if the if the integration isn't 100% correct, you know, have uh, Mrs. Jones being sent sent um, something for a male hair product or something (laughs) like that just because they haven't matched it correctly. So you know, look, that's always the danger. And you know, where, where I've seen challenges with loyalty systems in the past has been where those points perhaps haven't been correctly allocated or mm. there have been those glitches in the system because mm. ultimately <clears throat> the technology should just work. And if it doesn't just work, then it probably creates more of a headache for the mm. pharmacy customers than than something that's going to really drive them to come back into the pharmacy.
1: Yeah. Uh, Sorry. Carry no,
0: on. no, no. That's okay. Yeah. Um, so I just I was just going to ask Adam because again, the functionality probably goes even a little bit further. But you know, capturing a database, I think, is just so important. And um, you know, you mentioned obviously from your early beginnings that that's really where it started to begin because businesses had to be starting to do something with that data. Um, and and I guess for for pharmacy owners, are sitting there on, on on the end of the on the end of our, their headphones at the moment. Um, where would be like, the best place to start? Like they might be thinking, look, a loyalty card system is probably not, maybe not relevant for them at the moment, even though it probably is. Um, but if they wanted to just start capturing a, a, just a basic database, um, what would be, I guess, your best advice to them?
1: Well, I would actually step back a second and say, well, why do they want to do that? They first really, because jumping, this is, to me, when you get into asking customers for information, and then you say to yourself, oh, well, maybe I'll just send them a newsletter once a month. For what purpose? Yeah. So I always come back to think of the strategy. Is it to drive more sales into your business? Is it to get to know your, your customers better, like who buys what, how often? Or, or really, is it another form of your marketing? Is it, a, is it going to replace your catalogs? So there's a whole range of reasons why do you want to start capturing information. Um, because when you start, you're, you're getting into something that's as big as opening your doors every day. Okay. So you open your doors every day and you put stock on the shelf and you serve and you look after your patients. Asking for information should be seen as critical to your business as all those other elements are. So I would really advise to st- step back and think about, well, why are you doing it? Mm. Um, and, and I've developed a very simple um, infographic which your, your listeners are welcome to download and it's free it's free it's free there. It's a nine-step uh, framework which I have at uh, our website, theloyaltypoint.com.au, yeah. which actually looks at the nine steps to a valuable loyalty program. And I give that out to all my clients. It's like a, it's a one-pager. It's a beautiful way of saying this is the strategy. This is why we're doing it. This is who it's for. These are the, the potential. Um, this is how we'd like to structure it. What's the technology that's going to drive it? Why are we going to communicate? How often are we going to communicate? So getting into loyalty is as big as opening your doors every day and is important to your business.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, for our listeners, I'll, I'll grab that from Adam and I'll include a link in our show notes for that so you can uh, get hold of it if you just missed that um, that address. Um, and, and certainly, Adam, as well, Like I think a lot of our pharmacy owners have just viewed marketing as just something you have to do. Um, it's something that other pharmacies do, so therefore it's something they have to do. And quite often we see, like you say, newsletters that just get generated um, for the sake of Creating one, um, but I, I, I 100% agree with you. It's really isolating that purpose of why you're doing it, and you know I've always been of that believer that you know you're marketing to your customers and your patients that you can't physically talk to one to one, and if and if they don't recognise that that's important, and you know certainly particularly in our environment at the moment where there is a little bit of instability about what may happen to location rules, it's so important not to just assume. That your customers are going to come in through your doors just because you're the closest located to them, um, and you really need to be communicating to them a lot, a lot better than probably what we are now.
1: I think the greatest philosophy that I could share with your listeners is that is are these four words. Uh, you know, that customer retention, keeping your current customers, is your customer acquisition. Mm. And what I mean by that, if you love and look after those who are already coming to you they become your customers who they either tell others or they continuously be your customer. So if you have that philosophy and you continuously understand that you know, looking after and loving those you have, never mind the patient care that you absolutely do because that's your livelihood and that's exactly what, what, why you exist. But there's so much competition. There's so much price uh, sensitivity out there. You've got to try and find other ways to connect with those customers. And that's through, you know, a loyalty program is is potentially the mechanism, but it's not the answer. It's the mechanism to communicate, to give them content that's relevant to them, to talk to mums who have got issues around, you know, looking after their kids' health versus different to talking to, you know, elderly people who have a whole range of different issues. So it's about, you know, that's the power of a loyalty program um, in terms of your marketing
0: well that that's exactly right, and you know we've spoken a lot on on this show around really finding out what the biggest problems that your patients are facing and trying to solve them with them one on one but in the in this space, in terms of being able to access that segment as well, if it 's a particular demographic, like you say mums or elderly patients, then you can be communicating with them around some of their most common problems in in your message as well through either loyalty based data marketing, or it might even just be, you know, simple content marketing that you're doing, which we've discussed in, in an earlier episode. So it's just, just so important that, um, you know, it isn't undersold and um, I'm glad you've underlined that for our listeners.
1: Absolutely, look, I, um, you know, again, been in marketing for 20 plus years and, and things are changing. Technology is changing so rapidly, but it does come back to me. To me, it's also all about relevance. It's about, if you're relevant to the customer with the information, that's when they will engage with you. That's when they'll come back and buy more. So you actually get the outcome based on the input that you put into your content. So you're, you're so right. If, you, if you've mentioned that previously, uh, you know, I reiterate that with you. I support you.
0: Ah, Fantastic and and I guess the other thing is Adam like I guess pharmacy owners whenever we invest in some technology you don't want it to just simply be something you just bolt on and you can very rarely see a return on investment so what what, do do the the loyalty systems available um, give them that ability to see you know obviously the different measures that have been used by other systems like an increase in basket size or an increase in customer frequency of visit and all that type of thing does it give you that that kind of functionality
1: and that is a critical question um, and every pharmacy should be asking no matter who who they work with pharmacists should ask well you know what's the return on my investment in this technology and absolutely no doubt that you know working with know-it-all in some of their um, their, their pharmacy clients in fact they've got a group out, down in Adelaide with about 60 plus stores who recently implemented um, a loyalty program and uh, you know acquired a lot of people, members to join and they recently did a welcome uh, communication welcoming all their members and that welcome ha- um, generated a 40 increase in basket uh, size so there was an immediate uplift in in sales um from that just from that welcome communication never mind that they're actually after costs so after direct mail and email costs and direct mail sure is a little bit more expensive but even after all those costs the net return on investment from that welcome campaign was 3.53 times the cost of the campaign hmm. so after cost they were still making a net return hmm. and that was just from the beginning the welcome never mind the options now that they have based on the reporting on who are their best customers and so they now know who their top 50 uh, customers are or top 100 so they know how to then potentially go to those top 100 and who, who pre, you know spent x x x x more than all the rest and done something special for them yeah. and sent them a special offer or even a thank you thanks for being you know great great customers so all the reporting that know all system has given this client has given them the insights to take action. And that's really important. And, and, and so it's all great to get all the data and to send out all the communications, but what return are they getting from that investment, as, as you asked? And it is, it's not only in that system that I've worked with, with, with other retailers. I've just implemented a big strategy for a 60-store you know, uh, pet, pet store business. And again, they can see an incremental lift from a one-time purchaser to a two-times purchaser. So, somebody who's only purchased once in the last six months versus somebody who's purchased twice in the last six months is an increase drives an increase in, in basket size plus plus or minus 80% more. So that's another you know, industry example. Um, so your question is is really important because that should close the 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 loop of uh, should I do a program? What's my return?
0: Yeah, look, absolutely. And I think there, I think it goes both ways as well. And that, you know, I believe the pharmacy owner has the right to demand return on investment from the loyalty provider. But it's also about the, the investment that the pharmacy owner makes in the program as well. Um, I think if they're going to just believe that the system will just automatically be smart enough to do everything for them, to generate the emails, send them out and understand the insights, it just doesn't happen at the moment, perhaps in the not too distant future with, or if, Artificial intelligence and things like that, but certainly not at the moment. So, I think you know, at the same time, they've also got to be realizing when you invest in that technology that you've also got to invest your time or perhaps one of your key staff into um, working with it to make sure you get those maximum benefits. I've got no doubt that that's probably seen some different disparity in what you've seen over the years as well.
1: Uh, You've hit, you've really hit a really uh, interesting point, Robert. And, 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 and number two, number two of my nine steps to a valuable program. uh, Number one, I I ask is why do you want one? And then we get through that. But number two is, are you committed? Yeah. And um, my belief is, is, it's not a marketing campaign. It's a business growth strategy. And that mindset, and that means that are you committed to it? So, I keep coming back to, are you committed to people? because it is you are in a people business. so you got your customer does need to walk in the door and you do need to do all the stuff that you do, but you do need to say, you know, have you got your your card or you know, would you like to join? or can i can I put these purchases against your to, to earn, earn you more you know more benefits? You do need that interaction. So you do need that commitment. And your people are uh, uh, vital. And I've just worked with another group of pharmacies. Um, a 17 store a group um, here in Victoria, and their people are so in love with their program, it makes all the difference. Mm. They yeah. actually believe in it. They believe that it's valuable to the to their to their customers. They believe that they believe in it, and and suddenly it's become a major business growth um, outcome for that pharmacy group because their people believe in it.
0: Yeah, look, look, absolutely, and I think where perhaps some of the banner groups have suffered in the past is where. You know they they disconnect so much from the store uh, that the franchisees feel disconnected from it, and it's like, well, we're getting all of this data. I don't know where it's going. I don't know if it's giving me more sales, and they're not connected with it because it's literally just been, you know, ripped or outsourced from them by you know through without without choice. Um, mm. So I, I think you know certainly that that's it's a major component of any investment in any business, and I know yeah. that there's a lot of You know, discussion at the moment pharmacy owners have never had. Less time to deal, do more in their business right now, mm. and they're constantly fighting this battle, wearing all of these different hats at the moment, which we which we talk about a lot on this show about how you can leverage technology to find yourself more time by doing that. But mm. I, I guess the important thing is to realise that if you ask, if you are committed to the twenty first century and you know operating your pharmacy, then mm. they, these things aren't optional; uh, they're uh, they're mandatory. And um, if you're going to go down the pathway, you you can't just organically ex- expect the return on investment.
1: Agreed. Uh, Couldn't you know, You've said, you summed it up brilliantly. Yes.
0: Now, very, very good. Now, also, um, Adam, I know that you know it's not all just about retail as well. Um, it's all it's also about perhaps delivering better. You know professional services in the pharmacy by utilizing your database and some of the technology that's around it um, so if you, you come across any great examples I guess more more around the the clinical or professional services side in pharmacy where you know databases have been used well to you know help pharmacies identify key customer demographics and and develop a nice service around that from the insights that they got
1: yeah look that's a really good question um... This is where you, the use of data. You've got to be, you know, be a little bit uh, smart around that because the, the data is not only about the communication. It's also about how how does it help you even stock your shelves. Yeah. If you can get a sense of who's buying what, and you know those demographics, and and you know that those, you know, the they are perhaps what we would call. You know, they're more regular customers because they've got, you know, I call the family. So I've got three kids and I know my, my wife's in the pharmacy, you know, four or five times a week just based on general health and well-being. And she is what I would call a really profitable customer to their pharmacy, not only because she goes in and has a lot of prescriptions or, organized, but every time she's in there, she comes back with six or seven more items that she thought about when she, when she you know, when she when she was walking through the aisles. Yeah. So it's really knowing who's buying what, that's when you become smart. And that's, when you re, that, that's what the data actually provides you through the loyalty system. And that's what the know data also provides because they know that my wife comes in and buys not only hay, a, a huge amount of hay fever stuff, but also all the vitamins and all the other um, items that, uh, that, that we have for the family. And that group is a very, prof- I would say we're a very profitable family to a pharmacy. Um, because of our frequency and because of what we're buying, um, and that data can easily be pulled down. Reports are there. It's really as simple as a click of a button. Or if it's not, if it's not, if you don't have the time, then even the know-it-all people um, do it for you. So you can do it yourself, or you can get people to do it for you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No. Look, I think that's that. That's key because, look, certainly, you know, different changes from month to month and so forth. And you know, I dare say the average pharmacy owner listening to this probably doesn't revise their merchandise probably anything more than maybe once a year if that Um, and certainly if you're part of a banner group you might get new planograms sent to you with new products and all of those types of things and it's very reactive as opposed to proactive from any data insights that you're capturing within your business. Um, So you know certainly being able to be alerted to changes or demands or you know specific groups or particular customers that um, Uh, you know, becoming more profitable or perhaps a new customer that, um, you know, hadn't existed in your database before. Do the systems provide that kind of um, dashboard or um, alert messages that can pick up those fluctuations or is it very much you need to identify your targets and, you know, frame your reports around it?
1: No, um, in fact, uh, the, the latest, the latest uh, update of reporting from the nodal systems is that dashboard is very much a very simple, uh, what I would call a tachometer. So you know when you're driving a car and you can see your speed, yeah. they've set up a dashboard now that gives you a very quick visual representation of, based on sort of a traffic-like system, so red, orange, and green, where you know sales you know, based on a whole range of criteria, so it could be uh, how many active members you have, how many loyalty members uh, and their sales, who, the, non, the non-member versus the, the, the member, you know, what products are, are, are in low demand or in high demand. So their dashboard and their results can be tailored, but also, you know, it, it's theirs part of their, their system. In fact, reporting has now become the, the, the most critical element of the technology because the reporting gives the insights for the action. Um, So yes, is the answer to your question. You know, that is the, the, that's the gold. That's the, that's what would drive the business is the, um, you know, make them, the pharmacist smarter as to who um, they should be, A, marketing, but B, what product they should stock. I can give you a great story um, uh, um, outside this sort of pharmacy where based on um, the loyalty data that this large grocery store in the UK uh, was gathering. they actually changed their whole merchandise based on where the stores were located based on who was buying from the various stores. So various stores actually had a different kind of demographic. Um, and they, and based on who was buying, what through their loyalty system, they changed their whole merchandising. So as an example, there was you know one of their groups was very much into organic foods and versus the, the other ones were much far more budget conscious. And when they walked into the stores, their whole merchandising front end, they changed it based on knowing who their customers were. Yeah. So there is therein lies, you don't have to use it for general marketing, but you can also use it for merchandising and being smarter in how you change your store and, and, your, and your offers.
0: Absolutely. And you know, what one one little example that we've we've mentioned a number of times on this show is the pharmacies in the eighteen hundreds where there were no commercial distributors of products or manufacturers and all the pharmacists had to compound and make all of their products from scratch in their pharmacy. And we always ask, well, how did they know? And they must have been greater listeners than we are now. And because they listened uh, and they were able to take that insight and all without the use of computers and data capturing and so forth, They always manage to have the right merchandise mix for their communities. But Mm. right now, the majority of our pharmacies tend to be saying, well, you know, our stores should be like cookie cutters. We should be able Mm. to just put the same products in every store around the country. And I'm sure our uh, manufacturers would be very happy with that. Uh, But sometimes some products just aren't relevant.
1: Mm. Oh, that, Exactly. And, and you go back to, you know, the, the old grocer and they know their, their customer, you know, hundreds of years ago as well. Well, I think our, our, our mindsets, of, our minds and brains have changed. And because of data being so uh, available, we're almost caught in this, this, this quagmire of so much data, we don't really know what to do. Mm. But actually, if you step back for a second and keep things a little bit simple, and you just get down to who who are the customers, and you can break that down demographically, and also based on what what are they buying, how often are they buying it. Yeah, I mean those three simple questions. Yeah, um, can actually make an incremental difference to your business.
0: Oh, absolutely, and I think it's just the consistency of continuing to look at those insights as well, and mm-hmm. and and you know it's often I guess talked about that what is the magic time frame that you should be communicating with your patients and i think pharmacy is probably more more you know less at risk at that because we tend to have higher visitation schedules than perhaps some you know mass merchandise retailers where you know they've got to set their marketing to perhaps every 90 days whereas we're probably going to see our customers in the store so i guess is there an answer to how how do we work out the perfect cycle of communication through marketing platforms like loyalty systems when we know that we're going to be seeing those customers in the pharmacy as well and how do we blend it together
1: yeah, that's a, that's a great question, and and I call it the rhythm of communications, and what what what's the right rhythm that you should have with communicating with your your members, your customers, and and I and I take I come back to stepping back, and actually you first do a little bit of planning. So part of this whole nine step process is what I call communications planning, and you can map out your year. Um, on what I call the planned elements so you can map out you know how every month you're going to do a birthday a birthday mailing you're going to map out based on seasonal you can map out based on big promotions that you want to drive through the year so you can map out I don't know how many you know various uh, what I would call planned communications uh, you'd have and and then the channel obviously, you know, If you're going to do a birthday, well, is it a postcard or an email? And it depends on the data you've collected. So you, you think about that as well. But then you have the next thing, which is the what I would call the, 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 the targeted or the data-driven marketing. So that's where if you want to sell more vitamins, that's when you go into your database and you go in and say, look, give me all people who have bought vitamins in the last six months. Then suddenly you get a thousand, two thousand, five thousand, however many members who have bought that one product, and you drive a targeted communication. Yeah. So that's still relevant because people have bought it. So you mix up your your communication, the rhythm of your communication between planned and targeted. Yeah. And when you think of it like that, suddenly you get your rhythm. You get your rhythm going. And then on top of that, you can have what we call just your, you, you know your general content-driven marketing, which is maybe once a month it's your newsletter, which which is the you know, the health advice of the month or the, you know, the special offers of the month or whatever it is. But that's, you know, once a month it goes up. So if you map that all out and it's not complicated, it's just a matter of, you can almost do it as a simple spreadsheet. Yeah. You could almost just map January to, to December um, or the reasons, what I call the reasons to communicate and you map that out. And then you've actually got some control over your, uh, your marketing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I'll at the risk of opening a can of worms here, how does how does social media integrate with that? Because look, obviously we've always had the ability to do direct mail out um, and also do email communication for probably the last ten, fifteen years. Um, but where does social media come into that? And are the modern loyalty systems um, ca- able to involve social media in how you know some of those communications go out to customers? In that. You know, it might be a, a, even, for example, a content um, marketing initiative, it might be a newsletter or it might be in response to, um, you know, very high pollen levels that we might be experiencing right now and what people can be doing around preventing hay fever and what they could be doing to take action. But does, do these systems integrate with social media in delivering those targeted messages as well?
1: Um, some of the, the systems do, but by the same token, I'll, I'll go back to the question of where does social media fit into it. Mm. I think social media is another channel to communicate. So, just like email is, just like face to face is, just like direct mail is, just like phoning or SMSing, social media is another channel, as you just said, to yeah. reach out and get a message of content or offer or whatever it is. And so, it's there because you know people are linked into it. Uh, I, I don't mean that as in LinkedIn, but are connected to it. Mm. Um, you know, on their mobile every day, all the time, and seeing their feeds and seeing and seeing the posts. So it certainly is there. You know, twenty-four-seven as a channel. Yeah. Um, so all I all I can say to you is yes, it's just got to be chosen as a channel for communication.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, and you need to build it up, and it's a live and breathing aspect. You know, people need good content there. They need to be a high high pollen alert as you're brilliant example is today you know we've got the latest come in pop in or whatever it is um so it does have a huge number of advantages i would suggest that it still needs people into intervention it's not just sit back and 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 wait yeah um and and just and let it go off on its own so you still need to feed it
0: well that's exactly right and you know i don't think it's been it can be any more frustrating if you are trying to connect with a brand and they only communicate maybe a couple of times once week and then that you don't hear from them for a month and uh you know ultimately you know marketing is a full time aspect of the business and it can't be viewed as oh, we've got our yellow pages out in, we've got our local uh, um, newspaper ad in, that's all we need to be doing. Um, I think it means that small businesses, let alone pharmacies, uh, need to be taking a lot more of an active role and you know, it's it, social media is just another touch point like your shop front is, in if, that if people walk past your pharmacy and see the same things in the windows or the same things on the front of the gondolas, more than a couple of times, they'll be wondering that whether you're a dynamic business and whether correct. you're actually changing Anything yes. Um, yes. so you know, look, as you said earlier it 's a commitment that people need to make, and yes. you know they need to be ready ready to do that because I guess you know social media, the reason I mentioned it is you know so much written about how much time our customers and particularly the probably the most valuable demographic, and you know you touched on that your wife's probably the most valuable customer for your pharmacy, is that how much time um, that demographic spends on Facebook and social media and I think pharmacies have always said, well, we don't need to be there because we don't need people to tell us bad things and all things like that. But I just think it's just such a valuable communication channel.
1: Yeah, look, you know, we are going down a new line of discussing social mm. media. And uh, I would suggest that a social media person, obviously, if you haven't had yeah. any podcasts, you know, will give you a whole view on the strategy of social media and setting it up and, and looking after it and good good comments, bad comments and how to, to manage that, 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 in, that, that channel. Yeah. Um, but once again, like you know just to repeat back, as you've just said, it is absolutely a channel uh, of today. and it has to be part of the mix. Yes. So if you're not sure what to do in that space, then certainly find out and find an expert that can give you advice and guidance as to where and how much time and commitment you need to put into it. And, and just going back to an early point you made about um, businesses that start something and then suddenly stop. Yes. this is why I think a little bit of planning, and mapping out your communications for the year with your loyalty program, with any other of your, your catalog marketing, whatever you call marketing your business or whatever you want to define. as If you map that out, then you become dedicated to it. Yeah. Um, and I can't help going back to the aspect. If you open your doors and you put stock on your shelf and you care for patients to, who come in to get their prescriptions, then marketing your business should be that fourth or fifth critical element to your business.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Adam, again, one thing I was keen to um, ask you about was, I guess, the the next phase of where loyalty and customer interaction potentially can go. There's been a lot spoken about, particularly in the last couple of weeks with the new Apple devices coming out that now have the NFC chips. And we've always had those iBeacons, which we've spoken about probably all the way back in May on this show about is how they can heighten the customer engagement um, in pharmacies. Um, There was a great example that we spoke about how um, I think it was Emirates that were using it to welcome people into their airport lounges and how those eye beacons may be used in pharmacies to identify customers in particular areas of the store and push offers out to them. So is this is this something that you can see evolving with I guess the next phase of loyalty systems?
1: um yeah again it's another way of reaching your your member one to one at a moment when hopefully your message is relevant certainly you don't want to push out a an NFC message, you know, to with nappies if they ain't got kids. Yeah. So this whole relevance, uh, but uh, to agree with yes, it is happening. In fact, in the states, there is a pharmacy group, um, and I'll send you the link to to share with your listeners of a great video of this pharmacy group that is using NFC um, and various other technology to. To drive relevant pop-ups and messages whilst they're in stores oh, they're saying, terrific. Yeah. Um, and you can share that that little that little case study yeah um but it, if in terms of the future i mean it's now it's not even the future it's now yeah. it's just a matter again of do, you know do you have the basics right and quite frankly if you want my opinion of you know uh loyalty and loyalty program marketing people are still trying to get the basics right yeah you know why do i have a program how do i collect that data how often should i communicate how what's the reporting just getting that rhythm right should be we instead of rushing off into something brand you know new and and, and, and sensational and yes it, it's it's if you're advanced and you're ready then go for it yeah but to me it's get get back to the basics as well
0: look absolutely and and, and we always have a broad spectrum of um of our, of our listeners of where people are at um, yes. and uh, you know look certainly you know one of the biggest messages that you know we want to convey is that um, the technology that's being used in other retail industries, just because it's being used there doesn't mean it can't be used in pharmacy. We've unfortunately got a bad rap around pharmacy in that our technology seems to be a little bit behind a lot of the other retail industries, uh, but it doesn't make it any less important um, You know, if we're able to embrace it.
1: Yeah, and, and uh, absolutely. If you can and you're ready and willing and you're innovative around that, then absolutely, because then you're becoming a dynamic business and you're, you're you know, and, and there again, understanding who your customers are. Yeah. yeah, You know, does every customer segment want to have this technology, you know, want to, you know, be reaching into their pockets and getting an app that, yes, a lot of them do. But just knowing who your customers are is is is, as important.
0: Absolutely, and Adam, I always like to finish on this one. I know we've probably discussed a few futuristic things as well today, but I guess in your own mind, um, biggest game-changing technology that obviously time and resources weren't a barrier. What would you love to implement in pharmacies and let alone small businesses today?
1: Yeah, that's a great question, and uh, you know, I just it comes back to that 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 little square a face that's in our pocket every day Um, and where that is going to take payment uh, mobile payment and and just fundamentally change the way consumers interact with retailers and so you know that is a game changer that the mobile you know the mobile phone it absolutely is i'm not quite sure how uh, you know in 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 terms of the innovation of um, of diffusion as to when it gets into the mass market but in terms of innovatives innovators certainly, you know, there won't be a wallet anymore. It'll be, I'll hand over my phone. Uh, You know, there's an antithesis to that argument about the phone is your life. And in fact, I get a question all the time, should we have a card or should we have a mobile app? Mm. And our research actually highlighted, you know, the card is still a great connector, but the mobile is absolutely what everybody lives and dies by. But people are still also hesitant to hand over their phone across the counter because it's their life. Yeah. So, we've got this whole little you know this this whole massive innovation coming through with technology and mobile and apps and payment and all of these, these this this new way of engaging at retail but it, you know so yes go along with that and and to answer your question I, i'll just come back to it it's, it's all about the mobile in terms of where the future is what are the elements within that as i say it's the payment um, the the payment um streamlining payment or interaction around that Um, which is going to change the way we interact at retail, I think. And um, so, yeah, that perhaps answers your question about, you know, it still comes back to, the mobile being the game changer
0: yeah look absolutely and i think probably our our, our female female audience are probably quite comfortable carrying a handbag around but i know myself in terms of when i'm offered to get a loyalty card by a retailer i know that i can only carry one or two in my wallet uh, yeah. without it yeah. becoming this humongous thing so yeah. i think it's probably going to benefit the male population more when we can get rid of the cards
1: <laughs> yeah and interestingly if, just for your listeners yeah. um you know i've done a lot of research in loyalty programs and and, and, you know, when we asked people who, in the demographics who wanted a, a, a card versus who wanted a, um, an app, well, 57% said they wanted a card. However, when you dug into the demographics, it actually changed with the, the younger set. So the younger said, no, 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 I don't want a card. I want everything on my mobile phone. Yes. So, again, yes, you're in, you know the, the male demographics versus the female, and females certainly have more cards or get asked more often. Uh, And males are a little bit more. uh, Actually, they're a little bit more um, careful as to which card they'll want to hold. You know, it's really got to have be a lot of value to them. So, uh, card versus phone. uh, You know, I think the jury the the jury is out, Um, and and certainly, you know, as time goes by, uh, the phone will be more prominent
0: yeah no fantastic look Adam it's been great and I think our listeners have got so much so much value in, in terms of what they can be doing around data and really turning it into that valuable insightful knowledge that really is going to help drive their businesses forward so thanks for coming on and uh, look forward to having you back in the not too distant future
1: thank you very much Robert and yeah you know loyalty lives so you know customer retention is your acquisition um, so thank you very much for the opportunity to share share with you
0: ah right, cheers thank you Well, we talk about a lot of mechanisms that can help us build a smarter, more successful business, but also a sustainable business as well. And it just underlines the fact that marketing is not an option for your business. It's not a case of putting up your Yellow Pages ad, putting out your local newspaper ad and your marketing's done for an entire year. No way and it doesn't work in the modern world and certainly Adam shared with us so much relevance all the way back to the 1990s when he kicked off Scratch and Save, how that can help you connect with your customer. So my three key learnings, and geez it was tough to pull out exactly three, I probably could have gone five or six but in in transformation tradition I'll stick to three. So the first one is Why do you need to collect the data? That's the first thing to establish. You need to discover what your customer's interests are so that you can critically use insights to take action. And how do we take action as well? Adam used a great example of um, a UK supermarket and I'm going to go out on a limb and say it might have been Tesco because I'd come across a white paper uh, from Monash University a couple of years back uh, which is where Tesco actually claimed that their loyalty program and creating that customer database and segmenting it and working out exactly what their customers' interests and buying habits were, that it is the catalyst for creating a more collaborative partnership with customers and also with their supplier partners so that the customers were always at the centre of their decision-making processes. And I don't think anything could be more valuable than that. Adam did mention that that led to perhaps in some areas where organic foods were more more popular, that the front of the supermarket looked like that and it reflected what the customers wanted and it didn't just look like the same environment all the way through. And our pharmacies need to be the same. We've got Gondola ends that perhaps don't change as often as we want to, but also when it comes down to our marketing. And now that we spoke about some of the technology behind that, and the technology's never been more accessible from creating a customer database and being able to use automation tools in there to really help you deliver a very key message to the right customer groups, whether it be mother and baby, whether it be aged care. It is so easy, but you need to be committed to it. And that is our second key learning. Are you committed to it? Are you committed to being the owner of a 21st century business? No longer is it viable for you to just shelve that off to someone to take care from you. I know that a lot of our listeners are part of banner groups that do it all on our behalf. But your pharmacy has a key message and I can't underline that enough. There are unique elements to each community and it's your role as the pharmacy owner of your community to be able to identify those and being able to connect your merchandise, your services, your products with that community and you can really do that very well and identify what it is through customer databases and also loyalty programs. And the third one is, if you feel overwhelmed by it all, planning is the key. It's not that you have to dedicate several hours each week but you can set a very strong plan throughout a 12 month period. And it might be around key health dates or events and you might just bounce a few extra ideas through each month in response to something that's going on. There might be unseasonable hot weather in the middle of March um, and you may need to actually bring forward some of the stuff that you may have only covered in January or February around heat stroke and hydration and so forth. And it, as we've spoken about many times on this show, getting the content right to solve your patient's problems. People always ask me, what is the best thing that I could be sending out to our, my patients? Is it the fact that I've got specials in my catalogue this week? No, no, absolutely not. The best messages that you can send out to your customers is what's relevant to them. So if you know that cold and flu season is upon them, think about how they may be feeling. They may be just on the verge of a cold and flu. What can you recommend for them and what? tactics could you, and strategies, could they be deploying to ensure that they don't kick over into a full-blown cold and flu? And that just might be practicing good hygiene, hydrating, perhaps even using some natural remedies that you perhaps have recommended to reduce the severity and your ability to catch it. I'm not putting words in your mouth, but that's just a key example of what you can do as well. And finally, I know we've kicked over three key learnings there, but um, it was just fantastic to hear Adam talk about mobile payments being his biggest game changer. Simon from Shoebox Australia said it last week, and I think we're on a big trend here. It's going to be massive, and we just all need to be realising what we can be doing in our business to promote that. And whether that be offering um buy online, pick up in store through an e-commerce platform. I know not all of us are probably as advanced as you, Save Chemist and Simon, his team up in New South Wales that we spoke about a number of months ago. But it's a great opportunity to start to dip your feet into the possibilities there because the last thing you want is for mobile payments to be um, prevalent in every single industry except for yours and uh, for uh, someone to steal your thunder and uh, be offering your patients a more convenient opportunity. So keep looking at that and uh, you know, don't be afraid to play with some of the technologies that are out there. If you're a Westpac banking customer you can be doing it straight away with uh, an Android compatible phone but everyone else will be, won't be too far away in the next 18 months so really watch this space and uh, I look forward to seeing its progress as I'm sure you do as well. Well, that brings us to the end of another episode of Transformation. Don't forget to leave your comments in the show notes. There's always a space at the bottom, and I read and respond to everyone. I love it, and I look forward to seeing you in the Transformation community next week. Fingers crossed, it'll be live on Monday for you. So, transformation.com.au. I'll see you in there next week. Don't forget all of the uh, links that we've mentioned in today's show will be on the, on robertstar.com and I'll put it out the, the show as well uh, in the little description underneath. Have a great week, everyone. I hope that for those of us in Australia, have a great week enjoying the Grand Final. Uh, I hope that the best team does win and I look forward to speaking to you again next week. Bye for now.